It's a beautiful campground. Oh man, so I'm going I'm going through here consolidating a bunch of my data and going through files from when I first moved to Eugene and started college down here. Hey, it fucks me up, Nick, that it was five years ago now. Or just shy of five years. Like, what the fuck has happened to our 20s? I mean, speak for yourself. You're the one that decided to run away down to Eugene. Uh, I did I did do it, but I can't believe it was that long ago. But I'm looking at pictures. I remember my first class was a intro to photography uh, equivalent, right? And I had some self-portrait. I had to take three kinds of self-portraits. And I remember that. Yeah, one of them I had you just take this crappy little SLR I brought home and take some pictures of me. And so I was just literally four minutes ago going through these photos from Trevor's house. I mean, it must have been my third week in school and we came up for the weekend. We're just playing magic and playing Smash Bros and drinking beer and posing for stupid pictures with a cat and a scythe. Not a scythe. What was it? A halberd. Fucking say with the halberd. <laughs> yeah, I still have all those pictures in my drive, too. Oh, my God, man. What a hoot. So, Nick, this is the Console Crusade podcast. That's how we just roll in with things. Today is episode 50. Could you believe we're here? <laughs> Who could have possibly counted that high? <laughs> well, I only have nine fingers, so... Uh, that's that's where I, I stopped. It's really pushing our uh, average episodes per week. We're almost at half an episode per week now. Wait, wait Lifetime. Have, you, have you done the math on that? Well, I mean, it's been two years since we started, so. Uh, that's true. Dude, it's been almost three years since the inception of the idea of the podcast. September of 2016, but we didn't actually start recording until, like, I remember because we recorded the I don't know if you call it a pilot. We started like messing around with that kind of stuff when I was living by myself after everybody else had to bail from the place I was at. Right. That was September or October. Uh, We started, I have recordings and other just random files going back to June, 2016. Yeah. So we probably played around with it, but I think we actually like recorded real episodes by September or, or played around with the format a little bit. We didn't have anything figured out like hosting or anything like, like that, but. We were just trying to get an episode. How many times did we try to do episode number one? Uh, I mean, more than one. Several. And and so, Nick, this episode, we literally, neither of us have played anything since last time we talked. There's been very little news. We're coming in off of a busy week. Uh, it's episode 50. We don't have anything super special planned, but I figure we'll talk about the pod and just the last two years. And, uh, and then, depending... On how we feel about it once we get through this pod. Nick, I found our first episode, quote unquote, first episode that we filmed and we did two takes of. Mm. And that first take didn't have audio. Yeah. Uh, I've got the scratch camera audio. I, I think at this point I can I can salvage it. We've teased it before, but I think it's time. Let's let's do it and release it as a special episode. <laughs> Since everyone was asking for it. <laughs> oh man, all four listeners. Yeah, right. Hey, go pull up our pull up our numbers. Our numbers are doing we're doing okay for ourselves. Oh man, I haven't even looked at our numbers in a minute. We're doing okay for ourselves. I feel fine about it. But yeah, man, I can't believe it. Like I said, two and a half years since this whole thing started, man. We started off 
just to give some context to our viewers here, okay, or our listeners, rather, this was never, or this wasn't always, rather, the console crusade. What were we, Nick, before we finally settled on a name once upon a time? It took us a long time to even come close to a name, and that initial name was Cart Swap. Cart Swap! This is me and my son! I still love that name in a way, but as soon as someone said that it reminded them of like Pawn Stars, Pawn Stars, I couldn't get over that. That's and that bullshit. Is, that, that, that sunk that ship, dude. Console Crusade is objectively a vastly superior name. I'm glad we got to this point. I love the Console Crusade. I, I legitimately love that name, Nick, and what it is and what it is to us. I love it. It's perfect. Okay. But Cart Swap was real nice. And I want to use it for something. Like, yeah. I don't we know. still got what. it locked down. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Cart Swap. You know, this whole thing started. I don't actually know when or why it started. But we started Skyping each other during the day uh, on the weekends. And just like sitting on Skype together. Chatting. We would both be working on completely separate things. Just bullshitting. And it would be like six, seven hours. And they'd be like, all right. Did it again the next day. Yeah, I don't know what the what the impetus was. I think we had just sort of... Because, you know, we've been friends since I was in second grade. Oh, it was a long time ago. But, like, we... Obviously, you can't be in constant contact with friends throughout that long of a period. So, we've had our, our waxing and waning phases. So, I think we were just coming off of a waning phase. Because you were down in Eugene, you know. I wasn't going to talk to you every day, but we started talking a little bit more and you were talking about your collecting stuff and I started getting into the Game Boy Advance stuff and I think that was kind of the starting impetus of us reconnecting yeah. and talking about retro games and us both sharing interests in different podcasts and being like, hey, we could do that. We could chit chat on the web. So I actually remember, it's all coming back to me now. This is cool. This is cool. I like this. All right. It's like the Matrix, and they, all the data is streaming numbers in front of me, and I can read it for the first time. I don't know what, what it was, because I moved to Eugene, and we were still hanging out a lot. We were playing Magic all the time, and you guys lived at the, the Pussy Boy house. We'd come over and hang out. And when I moved to Eugene, I drove up every weekend that first year, every single weekend. And I, I came over to the house, and we just like played video games in that basement and whatever. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying that we didn't have like a, we didn't talk to each other very much. It was just like a standing invitation, being like, "Yo, ODP, if you're ever in town, just come over. We'll play some games. We'll chill." Right. Because that was like the bro house. You know, we're just hanging out. I remember though, it was after my first year, and I had recently moved into a new apartment. And I remember at like three in the morning, sitting in bed on the computer randomly facebook messaging you and now we're tens of thousands of messages deep but at the time like we hadn't really chatted that much in the old facebook messenger and it, we, it started off with a couple of memes and then i remember one specific evening tell me if you remember this where we just went back and forth about bands sending each other music videos and shit and like I, I, don't, I just remember that so vividly. You sent me a whole bunch of stuff, and one I remember was like an Every Time I Die song, and you're like, I can't believe you never got into them. Anyway, that's what, like, that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> like, and like I said, tens of thousands of memes later, but that really uh, started it. And then, yeah, and then you, you had just gotten back into gaming, you know, and the whole Game Boy Advance thing. And Well, I mean, I had been sort of on that that sort of trail 
for a, a couple years at that point because I, I got back into it with uh, buying a 360 in 2012. Right. And then I bought the Wii U 2014, obviously, because Smash Bros. And that was like getting back into it then. Even like 2013 is when I was, I got myself a 3DS and was playing Pokemon with the boys. Like it's sort of just been trickling back into it over those few years. Right. Tell tell the people about, actually, I, have we teased it? I don't know if we teased it. The, the you've, you've teased it many times. You even talked about it like two episodes ago. Yeah, I know I did. I do remember that now. But... Have we actually gotten into detail about what the original idea for this podcast was? It wasn't even, well, A, it wasn't even a podcast solely, and B, it wasn't broad. It was very specific to a certain console. But yeah, I, I just didn't want to start with that because I thought that was a little bit too narrow and you didn't have as much interest in it as I did. Right. Well, you got me on that trail, man. And I got to say, okay, context. What what was the initial idea? You give it to me while I sip on my whiskey. What do you? What is that? What do you do? That wasn't Lacroix. It's a. Uh, I think it's Safeway. I think it's theirs. It's called Soleil. Soleil, you know, like Cirque du Soleil. I think it's French for sun, but it's some cucumber melon sparkling water. Cucumber it's melon. Pretty nice. Pretty this nice. is dude. This is the home of the Lacroix boys. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that they're sold out pretty much every time we go to the freaking store. Hey, I gotta tell you, man. I bought Sarah a Soda Stream for Christmas, and I haven't had a Lacroix since. Yeah, soda streams are all right. It's just kind of a hassle to, I don't know, it's easier to be at the grocery store and pick up canned sparkling water that's already flavored than it is to stop by like Bed Bath & Beyond and get a CO2 refill, (laughs) you know? I feel that. For me, it's convenient because like, you know, I'm a whiskey drinker and I've, I've really moved away from beer as much as I love beer. I've really, really moved away from it because it, it just, it's so much worse for your body and it just makes me feel terrible. Um, so now I'm like a little, like a half shot of whiskey sipping on in the evening, but occasionally I'll want to drink a little bit more than a half shot of whiskey, but I need a mixer. Like I don't want to just sit there sipping straight whiskey all night and I don't drink soda and LaCroix is not a very good mixer generally. And so now I've got the soda stream. I can just be like, Oh, I need some, I just need like a splash of cola or a splash of ginger ale or whatever. And I just pop it in, drop a drop, boom, instant mixer. And it's convenient. I don't have to keep a whole bunch of fucking soda on hand that Sarah's going to drink. It's just, I have what I have when I need it. Yeah, man. Whiskey soda. People like that shit. Yeah, but anyway. Card swap. Game Boy Advance. That, that was the original starting point for this whole mess. Yeah, I just wanted to I just wanted to play through the, the catalog and Game Boy Advance, obviously because of how cheap it was to develop for, had a lot of bad tie-in games and really weird, like, not ports, but check it out this game came out on ps2 but here's a game boy advanced version that's not even the same game but it just has the same name right so i I found that really fascinating and interesting and i had a lot of nostalgia for the game boy advance as a system and just handheld gaming in general was really appealing to me and the games as far as like if you want to think about it's just a collector the games are still fairly cheap like there are definitely rare games for the system you're gonna have those ninja 50s and your weird Japanese games that never got a, an English translation that people seek out just to have as part of their shelf. But I just wanted to check out the the catalog, go through it in a chronological order and see what the, the ebb and flow was. Be like, okay, check it out. June, two games came out in the month of June. November, 50 games came out in, in November. Like right. just that sort of visualizing and sort of getting a, a feel for what the what it was like to be in that ecosystem 
Because obviously, when the Game Boy Advance came out, we were both little kids. Like I was ten years old when that thing launched. I didn't right. get my own Game Boy Advance till like two thousand four when the DS came out. So it'd be kind of cool to relive that system retroactively, almost like some sort of a retro system. Right. Well, so what? What is it? Fifteen years? It's retro. Is that the cutoff point now? I think if just as long as you had it when you were a kid, and you're not a kid anymore, and you're you're desperately seeking out that feeling you had. That's what makes it retro. I had that feeling when I was 12. I was in seventh grade. <laughs> I was trying to do that. Yeah, well, you're a sick boy. Yeah. So I got to say, man, some of my favorite memories were the two of us, you know, so because originally we were like, hey, we want to like, I was pushing to do the YouTube thing. Let's like, we can do a pod, but we're going to, we're going to, you know, a video chat and, and record that, upload that. And we're going to do like commentary on these Game Boy games we're playing and review them. And we're going to like live stream. And for a while, we messed around with Twitch. And we had these like custom, we had like a little Game Boy overlay we'd throw up on Twitch. And yeah, it's good to have that experience too, especially if anything ever happens with this. It's nice to be able to know, okay, I've used OBS and I sort of can figure that out. Right. And it was fun, man. I remember watching you play like Mother 3 and, and shit on, you know, the Twitch stream. But. We went through when we started playing the Game Boy Advance games in chronological order. I still, to this day, have a note sheet, a Google Doc sheet of like my thoughts on like Iridian and Penobi and fucking Stuart Little, uh, just <laughs> like terrible shit. Um, and the other day when I was cleaning out my garage and going through the games I'm going to keep, I-, I came across the Penobi, the Iridians, the, oh, what's the other one? There's a third one that stuck out in my mind. Terrible game. Well, like the Konami Kart Racer? No, that was rough. Um, no one, one that was really good was Choo Choo Rocket. Oh, yeah. Choo Choo Rocket's a really good game. It was like a Dreamcast port, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, it was a puzzle game. That was a, I think that was a... I think that might have been a Dreamcast launch game. Had online on the Dreamcast. Dude, the Dreamcast, in a lot of ways, was a really great console. And it just was a little too early. Had, too bad Sega made it, right? Uh, well, you know, Sega was the fucking tits back in the day. They stumbled ass backwards into success with the Genesis, despite themselves. Do you think it just happened? Yes. It was a miracle. Okay, all right. It was a it was a freak accident. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, man, no, that was a really good time. And you know, I'm as I'm digging through old podcasts. You know, earlier I messaged you, and uh, among the many attempts at, a, at an episode, we were we were getting familiar with like the process of not just the software, but the mics. Um, and just the process of like, how do we actually do this? And then how do I edit it and all this stuff? And we had this one, it was like a three and a half hour conversation where we just, in my mind, this is the point where we like sort of tip the scale from like being like kind of casual buddies to sort of becoming better friends. Right. was this, what I, I dubbed the therapy sesh, right? (laughs) Uh, But we just like, we kind of worked through a lot of bullshit from our past of like us Mostly me being a dumb kid and like being just a dick and like us living together and shit from middle school, just like all this dumb shit, right? And sort of talking about our parents and this and that. And uh, so I stumbled across that and was listening to that for like 20 minutes. And I was like, oh my God. Not, not just as interesting to like go back to that and be like, oh, that was so long ago, but also like how comfortable the two of us are with a microphone in front of our face. Right. I mean, even then when it was just, hey, we're just chatting the chat. No one's ever going to hear this. Just you can tell how uncomfortable we are and and reserved and sort of timid and and low energy. You know me. I'm always harping on the energy, man. 
You know what and I'm saying? I, st- I, I still Let's remain go! to be low. Sorry. But I still remain low energy. But <laughs> No, it's not low energy. It's, it's, it's sounding low energy. That's what I mean. It's interchangeable for me. You are some ASMR shit, dude. I, I literally, we edited the podcast. When I edit the podcast and I and listen to you talk, I just, I start to get sleepy. And I'm not saying that like it's boring. I'm telling you what, l- let me be honest with you. And I'm talking a lot, but let me tell you this. In January, two years ago, it, it must've been our third episode. I had like a weird health scare. I was in the ER and it was like terrifying. Sarah was at work and I'm in Eugene by myself. It was snowing. I walked to the fucking hospital. It was terrible. It was miserable. I was so stressed and scared. And so anyway, after this whole ordeal, I'm home and you know, I just finished editing this podcast and I remember sitting in bed and doing some breathing exercises, trying to calm down. And I put on our podcast and I fell asleep to our podcast and it was the most, it was, it was weird mixture of like narcissism. Cause I'm like, we did this cool thing, but also like genuine pride, but also like I could actually just sit there and listen to the two of us talk to each other <laughs> and it calmed me out, man. It put me to sleep and I felt so much better after what was like one of the worst days of my life. And so that when I listen to our stuff, that's what I always think back to is that feeling, right? Of like pride and calm. And I don't know. It's just a weird thing that has stuck with me over the years. Well, goddamn, that's the sweetest shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> See, you can be sweet sometimes. And I know I give you a lot of crap when you're you're stressing out, and I I've been trying to be a little bit better about that, be more supportive, and be a, just a better friend to you because I know you deserve it. But it's you're just such an easy target because when you're stressed out, you get angry, and when you're angry, it's fun to make fun of you. So that's something that I've been trying to work on too. It's like well, I recognize that you're having a troublesome time, and I'm just I I just need to be a better friend for you. I, it's funny because I always say like I take shit well, and probably. I'm like S rank shit taker in our group. And I've said that before. It depends on who's dishing it. That's, that's super true. But like, it was funny. I went over during the holidays, went over to your house and I, and you don't, you, you dunked me hard in front of your mom or something. And I was like, see, I never, I, I rarely try to dunk Nick back because it just makes me look like an idiot. Like, so you just have to take it. Right. Dude. I wasn't even being the vicious one. My mom was dunking on you pretty hard. She fucking got me so good. And I was like, but part of me was like, I'm like, Nick, you dunk on me, but you know, I'm not a complete idiot. I'm like, your mom probably thinks I'm a total idiot. Like she just remembers me as a kid. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, she she does remember you as a kid, but that makes her more of like a proud like stepmom, basically. Just because she she had you over quite a bit when we were both little kids. So, oh yeah, I think she gets she gets a little bit of a privileged position of being like, I helped this kid get through some times, and I've seen him grow. So that's true. She's probably got better perspective on that than I do because I was living through it, you know, <laughs> and and simultaneously going through your own shit. We, we, we were troubled youth, Nick. We put our moms through a lot. I think that's part of being a youth is having trouble. <laughs> if we're looking at it comparatively, like look at our brothers versus us. You and I put our moms through a hell of a lot more than Nat or Andrew ever did. <laughs> Not to say they were perfect. And obviously different scenarios because Andrew's your younger brother and Nat's my older brother. But I think, yeah, probably I was a little bit rougher on my mom than my brother was. That's the nature of having children, right? You do everything right, and they still might grow up to do a video game podcast. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's really a crapshoot. It's my it's my greatest shame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we are, man. No, but uh, there was something I wanted to go back to, and now I totally lost it. 
something about getting dunked on, talking shit. No, I was gonna say I do. I take your shit well, especially, and it's it's easy for me to distinct when you and I are just being mean spirited versus when we're just like fucking around with each other. Like right. there's a hard line, and I feel like it's really noticeable when that line is crossed. You know, like we ha- we had a moment last time you came to Eugene where we were just being bitches to each other, <laughs> and like you made a comment about it, and I was like, yeah, you're right. I am being a bitch. <laughs> like, uh, that's the way it's the way it be sometimes. Yeah, it can be kind of tough, but I think as we've both grown older, I think we're just a little bit, we hold on to that kind of stuff a little bit less and we're a little bit more quick to forgive and let things sort of slide and move on to the, the next kind of conversation or just, be able to hang out with each other because it got to the point when we were kids where we would just be at each other's throats and it'd be like, okay, someone's going to be called to be pick up the other one's kid, you know, so they can get this piece of crap out of here because they're just being vicious. So this was our loop. This was our loop as kids. We would get together and have the time of our lives. We, 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 we'd be playing Mario Kart in the church basement and then we'd be like, mom, we got to just let him stay the night. We got to hang out. And that would turn into two nights. It would turn into three nights. It would turn into four nights. And it would turn into a physical altercation. And that would turn into our parents, whomever's house we were at, the other mother coming over. And then that would turn into a four-hour conversation on their part as they tried to leave the other person's home. And in that four hours, you and I would make up. And on more than one occasion, that turned into another string of days spent together. I remember one time (laughs) we built a fort, a, a blanket fort in my old room. Do you remember this? No, I, I, I barely remember your old place. I just remember hanging out in the backyard and you having your growing obsession with Harry Potter and us like thinking of like fake spells and stuff just to flex my, oh, I understand some Latin root words. So I have to be the older kid and be like, check it out. I know things. Dude, that was exactly it. But no, it wasn't the old, it wasn't the old house, the old backyard. It was the, uh, it's my parents' current place, but it was in the small room. I mean, I just remember that that was your room for most of the time that I was hanging out with you. I guess that's actually true. Yeah. When you were in high school, that was when you and your brothers switched rooms, I guess. Uh, it was a whole complicated mess. I, I lived in the big room for a while because my aunt lived in my in the small room and my brother lived in what my mom is now my mom's office. It was a whole musical bedroom thing. We shared a room for a few months. I just remember most of the time when I was hanging out with you, you had the small room by the entry. Yeah. And then when you came back and you were working at the at the paper with Max, that was the room you were staying in again. Right. That's true. Oh, man. You remember, I remember one night you came over, we were both working graveyards, and you came over and we did Mario Kart World Circuit. We played all 30 tracks or whatever. And like you left when the sun came up. We just, you remember that? We just did the world circuit and just played the entire fucking game. <laughs> yeah, it's, we, we would just do that sometimes. I also remember coming over when you were being uh, really stressed out about your computer that you just built because you're trying to play Assassin's Creed Black Flag, <laughs> but there's all, there all this tearing and you're just losing your mind about yeah. the tearing. And I was like, yeah. you're a weirdo, dude. Like, just play the game. <laughs> well, I was losing my mind because, and this is where in my old age, I have come to be. I'm a little more relaxed and a little more lenient when it comes to consoles because you can't control it on console. But when it's like, listen, I have $2,000 invested in this PC. I just bought a $700 graphics card. There's, this should be a flawless experience. And then I obviously I learned more about like how ga- these games run. And it's like, okay, doesn't matter how powerful my machine is, this is an optimization problem. But that's what sort of got me to the point where I said, okay, I want the biggest and the best 
but sometimes you can't always have that. And so I loosened up a bit, but I was pissed at the time, bro. Oh, come on. I was working for fucking shekels at the paper and I spent 700 bucks on a fucking graphics card. And it was hitching and tearing. Fuck that. Yeah, there was like a, an RMA thing you had to do, and you got the hard drive problem, and you had to deal with your dad helping you build it, and you guys have a, like a, a strained relationship. So that's always kind of just a, a combination of efforts. It was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. I think, yeah, a year, a year later, the whole thing took a crap. The whole, I mean, the whole thing just shit out, and it was in the middle of a huge edit I was doing for a school project. And I remember calling my old man and being like, my, it's nothing's worried. My hard drive's dead. And he's like, this is why you don't game on the same computer you work on. <laughs> I was like, I don't need to be lectured, man. My fucking, it just happened. Yeah, no shit where you eat, dude. Uh, well, that I mean, that's one good thing is I don't PC game at all anymore. I still have this fucking Steam gift card. I think I mentioned it last week. Yep, what am I going to do with this? I'm just going to spend it. And I'm not going to play those games. And sell it on eBay for $48. Yeah, no shit. I'll put it on Reddit and get like 16 karma. Oh, boy. Oh, baby. Whatever that's worth. Anyway. Contra Crusade, dude. This is, uh, it's been qu- it's been quite the journey, man. It's been a a thing that I've come to, well, on, on two hands here. A, look forward to, because during the week, the busier we get, the less we talk. And it's like, all right, I'm just going to sit down and talk some shit about some shit. But also B, dread. Because as we have as we have settled into a schedule and a routine and tried to stick to it and commit to that, I'm like, okay, we're gonna record. Oh, but well, fuck, I have to edit the thing now. <laughs> you know, and that takes its its sweet time. But I, I've gotten more and more efficient. I've got to a point now where we can record on a Monday, and this thing is uploaded by Tuesday night, ready to drop Wednesday morning. So I've noticed that. You know, I, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, man. This is the part where normally I'd have show notes to look back at and jump to the next topic. But we literally, what did you say? You said this is the Casual Crusade podcast today. Casual Crusade podcast. There was one big news thing that I thought you might want to get into that happened. I think the day after we recorded last week. Yeah, looks like the day after. So are you familiar with electronic arts? Oh, yeah. Purveyors of such fine video games as the Madden series, I guess, or NBA Live, <laughs> or Battlefield, and since two thousand what thirteen, they locked down the Star Wars license. They've got a a ten year exclusive contract where they're the only ones allowed to make Star Wars games, dude. And from that, we've seen two pretty mediocre Battlefront games and a mobile game that makes them buco bucks. But yeah. nobody who's actually a gamer is very interested. In it. It's it's going for a casual audience. That's fine. It's whatever. So what was that last year was when they closed down Visceral. I guess two years. I think that was 2017. They closed down Visceral, who had made the Dead Space series, and they had been working on a um, unnamed Star Wars game headed by Amy Hennig, yeah. who was one of the lead writers behind the Uncharted games and had worked on, I think, uh, what Soul Reaver. In the 90s. Jesus Christ, that was a long time ago. <laughs> that gem. Yeah, so people were, people were really looking forward to that because it was pitched as like, okay, it's Uncharted, but it's Star Wars. Right. Which is like, okay, cool. We finally get a single player Star Wars game that gives a story and has like, it's, it's based on scoundrels. It's like, that's kind of the interesting thing that people were looking forward to back when 1313 was still a thing. 
and that got canned because Lucasfilm or LucasArts was like basically like stopped making games because of the Disney purchase. They're like, okay, we don't have to make the games anymore. We just give it out to other people to make. And since then, I mean, EA, they canceled that game and they said at the time, okay, so these assets that were made for the code name was Ragtag. The assets from that Ragtag game are going to be put forward. They're going to go to EA Vancouver. They're going to work on a, a bigger open world kind of experience because they think that's going to sell better. And that started a whole conversation about single players dead, which nobody actually wanted to have that conversation because it just wasn't true. And it hasn't shown to be true now. And I don't want to talk about well, it. Well, for a while, people thought it was true. Nobody thought it was true. People were just crying about it. Isn't it the same thing? Kind of. Not really. It's like, it's like saying Nintendo's going to stop making video games. Like no one actually thinks that they just like to cry about things. Okay. Fair. <laughs> okay. So that game that EA Vancouver was working on just recently hasn't been publicly. Well, I think they publicly confirmed it that it's been canceled and that uh, they're going to try and make a smaller game than an open world game. Cause that game was, I guess, internally scheduled to be like a 2022, 2021 kind of game, but they wanted a game to be out by 2020, which probably would be for next gen consoles. But it's just been a, a weird kind of roller coaster ride of these EA, or not this just EA games, but Star Wars games being canceled. There hasn't been like a really big AAA Star Wars game that wasn't Battlefront since what, like, dar- not Dark Forces, but like, what was the last one? And it's just weird to have this Force franchise Unleashed. that Force Unleashed. Yeah. Force Unleashed the- 2. What was the third one that it wasn't called Force Unleashed? Was it? Was there a third one? There was not a third one, no. So it's just been weird ever since Disney got the Star Wars license. There hasn't been like the revitalization that fans were hoping for in the movies or in the games. I mean, people were kind of a bit bullish when uh, Force Awakens came out because that was a pretty good Star Wars movie. And in retrospect, I mean, you can look back on it and say, oh, this is the the start of the path that led us to here. And a lot of people are very dissatisfied with what the series has kind of turned into. I'm sure some people are. Like, I'm pretty fine with it because I'm not as invested in the series, so I I can't really speak to what the fans want. Yeah. But just our, our numerous conversations about Last Jedi, and I haven't seen Solo, and I don't think anyone else has. And, like, Rogue One was good, but it was, like, who cared about the characters? It's just been kind of weird, and I was wondering what your thoughts on this whole debacle are. EA's had this license for six years now, and they have done fuck all with it. And... <laughs> To be honest, in 2013, when this got announced, everybody groaned. I remember talking about this, and it was like, because EA is the most maligned company in video game history. I've always associated EA with being like a bad company. I liked EA when I was younger because I liked Need for Speed, and I liked the Harry Potter games that EA had. EA Sports. It's in the game. game. <laughs> or stuff like made by EA Big, like SSX. Like EA made good games for a long time. So I don't know when it was then, but I was still a kid when it was, and I didn't even know why at the time. I just knew that EA was the big bad guy. I feel like Ubisoft was the big bad guy for a while. Ubisoft became that guy. Ubisoft became what everyone thought EA was or accused of EA of being, or maybe what EA had become. I don't know. But Ubisoft was always like the little brother in that hierarchy. EA was the big bad around the same time that Ubisoft was the big bad. I think it was the middle of the 360 generation was when okay. that really came into prominence where they stopped making as many creative games and were more just relying on their annualized uh, franchises. Like the sports games from EA or like 
oh, here's another Assassin's Creed or check out the bull shot on the Watch Dogs. Why doesn't this game run? Why is everything broken? Like they all, they each had their own kind of individual problems that people just honed in on and focused on and never let, let, let that go. Right. Dude, it's crazy to think about how long that generation was a generation. Like middle of 360 generation was like still high school for us. Right. It was like almost nine years. It's just absurd. Right. And I didn't, I didn't even get a 360 till I was out of high school for three years. You had a 360 a year before they announced the Xbox One. Yeah. No, a year before they released the Xbox One. Yeah. Because they announced the Xbox One at E3. Yeah, and it released November, right? I think so. Yeah, and I got we... mine for Black Friday. Well, I guess I, I bought a new one, but I also had bought my brother's old one like a month before. I think that kind of pushed me to getting a new one. But yeah, I mean, EA for just a long time, they've been just reviled. Everyone loves to hate EA. Whether or not that's true, like or not true, but like whether or not that's deserved is a completely separate story. But just the proof is in the pudding. They've put out two games for for Star Wars, and the first one did not have a story mode, and the second one had a bad story mode and an awful microtransactions fiasco surrounding it. That that's the only thing anyone remembers from that game. The most downvoted was that the most downvoted post in Reddit history was their yeah. response to the microtransaction controversy. Yeah, I mean, it became a meme. I mean, it was, uh, the, what was it, pride and satisfaction? Yeah. Like exactly. that, that, everything about that. There's a lot of good, like, bits in there that people just meme to death. And that's, like, awful PR. And to think, like, uh, a year before that was the most downvoted YouTube video in history. Or not, I don't know if that was the most downvoted video, but it was the downvoted, most downvoted uh, trailer for the Call of Duty Infinite Warfare reveal. Oh, right. You remember that? Like, that was a big thing, but everyone forgot about that because Activision is, like, faceless, and the, everyone's just like, oh, oh, it's just Activision. It's okay. But EA, like, people actually hate EA because they keep shutting down studios that people love. Like, they had right. Maxis, and they closed that down. They killed Pandemic. They killed Visceral after the Star Wars thing. And it's just like, man, EA cannot do anything good or right. They are shutting down studios. They're ruining game franchises. They are completely out of touch with the fans. The microtransactions, the the loot boxes, the whatever. Yeah, they 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 completely destroyed any and all goodwill they had with the fans. And you're right, Ubisoft completely followed in those footsteps. They started doing the exact same thing. They had that renaissance, which I think you're about to get to. Like Ubisoft has turned around. People yeah. can still like hold on to that, but the people who hate, hate Ubisoft now are not the Ubisoft fans. They do not play those games. It's just the people who remember that Watch Dogs had a bad reveal or that Assassin's Creed Black Flag didn't run on PC very well. <laughs> or like the Fuck. weird bugs that Unity had with like floating skulls and like eyeballs popping out of heads. God, you remember the, the controversy with Ubisoft where they, the review embargo lifted the morning the game came out and that sort of sparked a whole thing about company and embargoes and how these sort of things should be conducted and, you know, ethics and gaming journalism. Yeah, but I mean, that's always been kind of dumb because video game reviews, as much as they are like a consumer kind of forward thing, they're also just marketing. So I've never been like, I don't really care if I hear about the game the day it comes out. If I don't have the self-control to buy the game, like until after a review is posted, it doesn't matter to me. If you're an idiot who buys a game without any knowledge about the game, that's on you. Oh, yeah. Reviewers are not entitled to get the game early. That's true. They just want it early so they can get the coverage up because that's what their business relies on. So I don't need to defend the business of like IGN or GameSpot. Like, I don't care. I agree with you there, but that's that's besides the point. It's the fact that this company knew that their product was a fucking mess. And they sent copies out and they said, well, you can't talk about this because we know what a mess this is. 
don't say anything or else we'll sue you basically and it's a two it's a two-way street if they signed the nda then they signed it they knew what they were getting into by signing that it doesn't matter that, that, to me. Yeah, that's not the <laughs> issue. It's not about the companies themselves. It's a, the fact that Ubisoft knew they were shipping a completely broken game and it should not have been on store shelves, and they didn't want anyone to know that. Like that's what it was about. You want to get into the whole gaming journalism thing and that business model. Like that's a separate conversation. Then I would be more mad at the platform holders for allowing a, a game to be certified that if it's actually broken. That's not the fault of the reviewers, because these no. games get reviewed by people like Sony and, and Xbox. Like they have to allow the game on their platform. And if they allow it on the platform, it's broken. Then that's their fault, not the reviewers. It has nothing to do with the v- reviewers. It's, it's the not even Ubisoft's fault. If they can get away with it, then yeah, do it. Who cares? Well, oh my. Well, that's that's a whole another conversation. There are plenty of things that should not be legal that are. And oh, well, if you can get away with it, it's not a big deal. But that's bullshit. And they they tri- they're tricking their consumers, and 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 there there's this hierarchy in place for how information is disseminated and how games are reviewed and how consumers find the product and feel about the product and purchase the product well i mean if it was like you said if it was in the reviews then the people who look at the reviews can say okay i'm not going to buy this product and that happened but the pro the, the thing was again it was just people ubisoft was taking advantage of the system they said we know people want to buy this game so if we hold off the reviews as long as possible we'll squeak out a few more sales before people realize that we we fucked up and shouldn't have bought this game so so however you want to get into the technicalities of the situation it was shady on Ubisoft's part, and they were intentionally deceiving customers to squeak out a few more sales, knowing that the reviews were going to impact sales and was going to cause a controversy. Ubisoft, as a as a company, every company is entitled to uh, be as shady as they can, and it's up to the consumer to reward or disincentivize that behavior. Because if a company keeps being rewarded for doing that, then they're going to keep doing that. And obviously, they learned a lesson from that because that hasn't been a thing in recent years them shipping like a bad product i mean i'm sure they didn't want to do it i'm sure there were people holding the, pu- the purse strings up above saying wait this game needs to go to market do what you can to like hold back reviews until it comes out and then maybe we can like turn this around later if you're lucky and i mean yeah that's shitty and as a consumer i obviously don't want to be lied to but it's also the responsibility of platform holders to say hey this game doesn't work don't publish it. You can't publish it. Sure. That's a whole nother conversation about the state of the games industry and how long games take to make and how complicated they are and how games go gold yeah. months before they are actually ready to be played. Right. Which is absurd. Yeah. And and it's just the nature of the beast, unfortunately. But you look at other companies like, like say, Blizzard, for example. Not that they have been controversy-free or that they've done everything perfect. Especially not this past year. No, but but overall, they've done a lot of really good things, and they and, and it, it just pays to be a consumer friendly company. Like it's just the net gain; you, you stand more to gain by just doing the right thing by your consumers than you are being a shady fuck in the short term. Sometimes, unless you're Comcast, I think it pays in the long term to just do not the quote unquote right thing, but do what's best for your consumers, the people who are giving you your money. Because we've seen, well. I say that we've seen, you know, in the last couple of years, the sequels to all of these games have been vastly superior to the, the the games that came before them, but they sold like fucking shit. The last three years or so, we've seen a steady decline in in sales numbers for for sequels outside of the Call of Duties or whatever, and that's because people kind of wise up to it, and then the companies have to turn around. Ubisoft had to turn around and say, "Oh fuck, we can't we can't do this kind of crap anymore." 
So they fixed it. And it's not yeah. some altruistic bullshit. It's because it affects their bottom line. But every, every company looked at it like that and just said, why even dance? Why even play that fucking game? And, and fuck around with trying to deceive our customers or doing this or doing it. It's just do what you can to do right by the consumers. And it's going to work out so much better for you. Right. And it has, it has a rubber banding effect. These things aren't going to be an instant. Like you're not going to have the, the repercussions affect the company and have it turn around and be like the next game they put out is suddenly good because their last one was bad. Like, no, these things take a lot of time because these games take a lot of time. There are different studios that just sort of have the word Ubisoft on them or have the word EA on them. Right. And I don't think it's a uh, very common for consumers to be like, Oh, this is Bioware. This is visceral. This is Maxis. They just say EA and they know that there's something in the news about it and they don't really dig much deeper into it. There's like, Oh, EA has got these microtransactions. So I think that's going to affect like EA's bottom line for a while now. Maybe not for their sports games because that's just a, a repeat audience that keeps buying the game every year and they participate in their like my career thing or their whatever their card pack system is. And that's a, an audience that's being serviced in the way that they're used to. And people can look out from the outside in and be like, oh, that's that's scummy. But if the people like it, then there's nothing wrong with it. I don't really care about that i mean do you really care if fifa is selling card packs no because you don't play the game you don't care about soccer right so it's just like it's it's just a big mess but just getting back into star wars i i wonder if there was like some sort of monetization idea that they had with this open world game that they sort of killed in the cradle because of how bad the backlash was for battlefront 2 Mm. or because we don't know what's going on in these in these meetings where they're giving updates on their their milestones and saying, okay, we've got this much done. We think we can get this game out by 2021, 2022. And EA looking at their partnership with uh, Sony and Microsoft and saying, okay, so we're going to be having new hardware. We have like an idea of what that hardware is. Is this going to be feasible? And that? how how's our competition look? Because they got to look at the other sides as well. They got to look at what Ubisoft and Activision and 2K are doing. And it's just a big complicated thing. So it I don't know what to feel about this game being canceled. Obviously, we never saw it. We had no idea about what it actually was. So I can't be like bummed that it's not existing. It's just like EA's done nothing with the franchise and it's a bummer because there should be a hundred good Star Wars games out right now. Right. And even Marvel has shown like, okay, so they've got one hit. They got Spider-Man out, and that was great from the, the new initiative. We haven't seen anything about Square Enix's uh, Avengers game. We've got a weird trailer for uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. That's going to be a Switch exclusive. We're probably going to see an Xbox exclusive because that would be, you know, oh, maybe a triple hat trick. <laughs> but you can't really look at that and you see the one success from that. And it makes me think Star Wars should be doing that too. They should be hitting up the best developers and saying, hey, give us a pitch. Do you want a Star Wars game? Show us what you got. And I think they could do some really cool stuff with that. I mean, I just think. So there was that really bad mummy movie that came out like two or three years ago. That uh, Mm -hmm. Tom Cruise one. Yeah. Awful movie. Nobody wanted it. Nobody liked it. But there was a really cool tie in game for it from way forward. Like way forward who makes awesome pixel art games to make the Shantae games to make a bunch of weird mobile games. But who cares? And they made like that Contra reboot. They made they, they made great games. Yeah. And they made a great game that has the mummy on the, the cover and it stars <laughs> a man shooting mummies and like Dracula's and shit. 
So imagine if WayForward had a Star Wars game and it just was that game, but it said Star Wars and there was like the sound effects and like the songs, but in chip tune and like, that'd be awesome. Oh. People, people would eat that up. <laughs> yeah. You're fucking me up, man. So I wonder, ah, oh, that'd be great. That'd just be great if Disney was like, you know what? Let's open this up. Let's crack this wide open. We can't make our own things. Let's get some real creators in here. Let's do what Kevin Feige's been doing with the Marvel movies and allowing directors that have like very little experience, but they have a style guide and they could make an Ant-Man movie, make a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, make a, you know, Iron Man movie, but do that with video games and do that for Star Wars. I mean, that's how it should be. I think what, what happened here was you saw a company, I mean, as big as Disney is, they were getting into this territory they've really never been in where they're inheriting the biggest property literally ever. Literally. Dude. Maybe maybe I'm being hyperbolic, but Star Wars is mega. I think it's I think it's actually the second biggest uh, media property. Okay, behind would, Pokemon. Oh wow, that 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 makes sense. But based on do, based on dollar sales worldwide, right? That makes sense. Uh, but but really, it's 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 the biggest thing, the biggest single thing Disney would have ever taken over. It's definitely the biggest American thing, big, biggest Western thing, right? And so there, so th- th- this is. This is film properties. This is television properties. This is comic books. This is literature. This is video games. This thing is so big, and they're having to take it in, wrap it all up in one, and and disseminate all of this properly, and not disappoint anybody. I think what happened was they came in, they saw a developer like EA. They were tricked by the big numbers, saying, "Hey, Battlefield sells like this," and blah 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 blah. Here's here's the dollar amount, and they made this big exclusive deal. And and I'm sure the people over at Disney who negotiated this deal are regretting it now and they realize at least hopefully that there's more potential elsewhere and there's more potential for earnings elsewhere i don't know how battlefront 2 did uh monetarily with the microtransactions and then this and that i don't know it it probably did fine yeah just uh depends on what their projections were i know it sold less than they wanted it to but that's like most games sell less than what they want to right so i don't know what that indicates Imagine if, like, The Witcher 3, but Star Wars. It'd be the biggest fucking video game of all time. Again, I'm being hyperbolic, but pretty goddamn close. You know, The Witcher 3, I I use that as an example. That's just a, that's, you know, S-rank RPG. One of the best time, best uh, uh, games based on a franchise ever. Right? Based on a book. (laughs) Loosely based on a book. I mean, it's got all the, all the the characters and... the same name. They have the rights anyway. for it. Yeah, they got the same name, same looks. No, that that game would be fucking huge. And I'm afraid now Disney's going to be doing, you know, which is so weird because, you know, you look at the MCU as a shining example of like how to do almost everything right. You put people in charge who care about the product and who are invested in the content, not just in how many dollars it's bringing in. And you let people be creative. Obviously, it's a business. There's always that aspect to it. But at the end of the day, if you just let the people who care make something that they believe in, the content is going to win. It's going to make money. And it's and we look at the video game aspect of it. It's like they're trying to like play catch up. They're like, oh, this game isn't far along or, or as far along as we want, and it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna meet these deadlines. Cancel it. Just fucking do away with it. And next thing you know, somehow EA is becoming the DC of the fucking video game industry, where it's like they're trying to. Play catch up. They got ten years of catch up to 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 hit the, where their rivals are currently hitting, and they're just tripping over themselves in the process. Does that make sense? I'm fucking rambling, but like I, 
You know what I mean? No, I, I understand what you mean, but also it's a little bit different in this case because when I think about DC, I think about them announcing projects and like hyping up projects before they even start. Like, okay, yeah. like Justice League Dark and like Birds of Prey and, you know, name a DC movie that's never going to happen. You know, like that's different than EA canceling a project that they never even formally announced. Like Ragtag, yeah. they had shown, they had, they had talked about, they had mentioned that at an E3 being like, yo, we've got this really cool Star Wars game happening. And then they killed it. And that was basically the last day that we heard of it. They said, you know, we're going to try making something else with this, these assets. And that was pretty much it. They don't have a name. They had an internal name. And that's basically the, the gist of it. Yeah. And now they're moving on to another Star Wars project. But they haven't like hyped it up. They haven't been like, get ready. In 2020, you're going to be playing this. And I think people just sort of latch onto these projects and be like, this is why they don't talk about what they're working on because people have crazy backlash when things get canceled. And you got to imagine that there's hundreds of games that get, that get canceled before they're ever announced from these big companies. On the other hand, it's like you got a fucking billion dollar company. Like don't fucking cancel games, plan something, execute it, release it. I know it's more complicated than that. We got to kill projects that, you know, aren't going to bear out also. It's better they cancel it now than ship a bad product. Don't make a bad product. You have all the resources in the world. You shouldn't be making a bad product. You you are the biggest video game fucking developer with a million studio, studios at your disposal, working with the biggest company in existence with the biggest property ever. You have infinite resources. Don't fuck up. Don't make a bad game. Just fucking make it happen. You know, again, I'm going back to The Witcher. CD Projekt Red has a fucking hundred employees and they made the best RPG of all time. Like, don't fuck it up. Just do it, man. They also didn't have uh, any time constraints on them. They didn't have any Disney constraints on them. I would imagine Disney is very protective about what you can do with Star Wars. I mean, they deleted their entire canon when they got the franchise. Don't get so, me started on that, motherfucker. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just saying, Disney has shown themselves to be, like, very controlling about what can can be done. Yeah. They, they fired James Gunn from a successful franchise in and of itself just because he had some really gross tweets from, you know, 10 years ago they had already apologized for on different occasions. So, I, I would imagine that working with Disney can't be the easiest thing in the world not to defend EA. Like, they've shown themselves to be incompetent in putting out a product for a franchise they spent a billion dollars on. I think to get the rights for a 10 year exclusivity, like Jesus EA Christ. paid Disney and Disney still right. has the power to say, no, you can't do that. And that amazing. It's amazing. EA is less worried about Disney and more worried about their investors and the people who are saying, Hey, where's the star Wars game that you spent a billion dollars on? Where's the success? <laughs> You've got right. money coming in from galaxy of heroes or whatever that mobile game's called. But like, where's the show us the thing that we could be proud of. Besides the dollars. Here I am. I want to jump into a concert crusade, chat about where we've been, where we're going, just have a nice casual conversation. And you got me fired up about my fucking favorite thing in the world, which is goddamn Star Wars. And you know what? It's been a bad couple of years to be a Star Wars fan. And there are some people who would disagree with me. But for me, y'all come in, you erase my fucking cannon, you get my hopes sky fucking high, and then you release a couple of goddamn turds like fucking Force Awakens, goddamn Last Jedi, and fucking Solo, and you expect me to just because a couple of Joe fucking schmoes off the street, because my old man, okay, goes and says, yeah, it was a good movie, that it was a good fucking movie? No. You guys have 
taken Star Wars and you fucked it in the ass and you've ruined it for the people who care. And I know there's a lot of toxic bullshit in the Star Wars fandom, but again, you guys drop a lay a fucking egg. You give the goddamn rights to the video game to the worst fucking video game company ever. And it's like, how, how do we not expect? We, we should have read the tea leaves. We knew this was coming. Six years later, it's a fucking disaster. I'm mad about it. Everyone knew this was coming. You, you said it yourself that when this was yeah. like revealed that no one was like stoked. No one was like, oh boy, EA and all their great like creative games that I enjoyed to play. Grown. Like they stumbled ass backwards into Mass Effect and that was their last hit. And they fucking ruined that too. Yep. They threw that in the garbage disposal. They killed Mass Effect. It's because f- they didn't want God. to keep making KOTOR. And Bioware was like, but I want to make a space game. They're like, well, trash. I guess. Did the same thing with Dead Space by running that into the ground, too. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just a comedy of errors. And I don't know. I just, I've never run a, a fucking mega corp. I don't know. I don't know, man. But it just seems like there are people who get it and who do it right uh, on all scales. Yeah, a company with these sort of resources should not be just blunder after blunder. Like maybe they're not losing money because they have mobile games and microtransactions. That does not mean they're successful or beloved or putting out any sort of meaningful content that anyone gives a goddamn fuck about. Yeah, but like you said, being beloved doesn't necessarily pay the bills. You can point to Blizzard as like the the one example of a beloved company that doesn't make people mad except for like you know the past like year or so there's been like some weird shit going on there but like even a company that has such big fan base like nintendo like making a system that plays good games is not necessarily all it takes to be successful i mean if you look at the every single console they've put out like it's been downward and downward because nintendo fans there's more than 14 million nintendo fans but only that many people bought a wii u so you got to do something more than just be have fans that like you and there haven't been they haven't been consumer friendly either but i just can't think of a a a company that's been really consumer friendly and wildly uh like successful besides cd project red but even you said that they're only like 100 people and they've got they get government money because they're in what sweden so they have a lot of their costs covered just because of where they're located and it's just a weird landscape you got to think about these companies as companies yeah they are doing creative things but it's a it's a weird combination of efforts that's why movie studios are there's only like what four big like movie distributors right and they all like own each other like they're all owned by comcast viacom and sony like it's it's weird (laughs) (laughs) it's just this weird incestuous network of of faceless corporate entities Gives me the real heebie-jeebies. It's creative people pitching to money people, and the money people don't care if the thing is good. They just care if people will buy it. Right. How disappointing. How disappointing. And Nick, that is how I'm going to go to bed tonight. A little bit drunk, a lot of bit angry, and a whole lot of disappointed. I mean, you would think that after Solo or Last Jedi, there'd be some shakeups about Kathleen Kennedy and Disney and like, if she's the the right person to be uh, like fronting that, but maybe it ta- I mean maybe they just made enough money that it hasn't been required yet. Well, that's the thing is, despite the backlash, and we there's this fucking bullshit cyclical just this vicious cycle of oh you guys are toxic in the community and blah blah blah. Last Jedi was great. It's like people enjoyed it, but it was not a great movie. It was a movie that on every level fundamentally misunderstood what Star Wars is and what Star Wars fans want and what these characters are and who they were. And that's a whole other conversation. 
But if you want to sum it up, Nick, while I'm fucking here, okay, if you want to get to the root of it, you got fucking Luke Skywalker, all right? You've got the fucking purest hero in modern cinematic history. Saw good in Darth Vader, all right? Youngling slayer, fucking Jedi killer, all right? Right hand of the Emperor. He saw the good in Darth Vader and saved him, but he was about to go fucking murk his little 14-year-old nephew. And you want to tell me that Ryan Johnson didn't fundamentally misunderstand these characters and that Disney ruined my favorite thing in the whole world? Nick, I am heated! All right? Jesus Christ. And that's fair. That's... That's fair in a way, I guess. It's the only way, man. For me, though, if I want to be completely honest with you about the way I view Star Wars. You fucking go. Okay. All right. When Disney bought the rights to Star Wars from George Lucas, they bought the film rights. They wanted to make films. They were supremely disinterested in books. So they wanted to can all like the weird crap that people had written about because they didn't care about that. Not really. And if they did allow stuff, if they deigned to give the people the smallest table scraps of written content, then that would be what they allow. Everything that falls under their gaze can be given to the people in the form of like a bad comic or like a book tie-in or something. Just to, just to give the people, just to shut them up a little bit. But what they wanted was the movie rights. Because they knew they could make so much money off these movies. And you know what they've done? They've made so much money off these movies. (laughs) That's true. They've marketed them. They've sold toys. They've sold bed sheets. You know, you can buy a Poe Dameron (laughs) onesie, I bet, if you look online. And they've made the money and they've made people mad. But it's a vocal minority. Star Wars fans are crazy and weird. But they're not making these movies for Star Wars fans because that's not enough people. They're making these movies for literally every person on the planet. And Last Jedi made money, but it didn't make enough money. So they're going to look at it from that regard. But they don't care that you know Luke Skywalker almost killed his nephew or whatever. That doesn't matter to them. Because to be fair, Luke Skywalker is a boring character. Star Wars has never been good in the movies. They've been entertaining, which is good. But they're not like cinematic masterpieces of storytelling. They're schlocky soap operas that happen in space with wizards and swords that glow. Okay? <laughs> I would I would disagree on some level. I agree that they've been campy, but I would also argue that there's a reason that these movies are shown in every fucking film studies class since 19-fucking-80. Because George Lucas stumbled ass backwards into success. He Listen, it's the third time you said that tonight, and you haven't been wrong any of the three times, <laughs> but... It wasn't George Lucas on the original trilogy. It was the people he surrounded himself with who did some serious, not just with visual effects, completely groundbreaking, literally sparking an entire industry. And to this day, every technological breakthrough has been because of ILM, the company that George Lucas founded. And the people who worked there in 1976 making Star Wars are still there today. Right, which was important in the late 70s, early 80s. But at this point, you know, ILM is still an industry you know, be a myth, but you can get good effects from anybody like that's been established. So Star Wars is much less important now. They're just another effects movie with like cool action. 2001 A Space Odyssey is also shown in film studies classes, but that doesn't make it an entertaining or money making movie. It's just like, wow, check out what this crazy dude made in the 60s or whatever. He made that 
Right. You don't have to be a fan of Kubrick to understand that he made some fantastic films and had really cool cinematography and right was a pioneer. You can be a pioneer without it being like interesting or new or good today. Yeah, but to to the point you made earlier, you we, we were like every Star Wars movie is just fine, and all the ones before are just fine, dude. It's it's the current year. The movie shouldn't be just fine because we know people are going to go see Star Wars. The movies should be like. Marvel movies, and we might disagree. I think the Marvel movies generally are just fine. Like, they're just entertaining action flicks. I think generally the Marvel movies are exceptional in more cases than not, where the characters are good, the storytelling is great, it's just humorous enough to appeal to my dad and and my nine-year-old brother. There's enough there for diehard comic book nerds to appreciate how they're retelling these stories. And and the characters are genuine and relatable in more more instances than not. They're doing so much right to make this package that can cater to so many different people. So we know that there's a formula. They've done 20 fucking films over 10 years. We, there's a formula, and there's a way to... Even their misses have, are still good experiences. The fucking Hulk, Thor the Dark World. And so Star Wars comes in, and they are just tripping over themselves at every fucking step of the way but hey star wars force awakens is the you know highest selling ticket sales of all time so it doesn't fucking matter and, and then they have the audacity to come out and say oh we're gonna we're not we're doing uh star wars movies every year now because you know for some reason they think that's the problem marvel is doing three movies a year and they are more successful than they've ever been in 10 years no star they, wars, they said the, it out loud that that's the marketing of what them saying that was the problem but they know what the problem is i think just make better shit I think a big problem is, and you kind of mentioned it when you said Force Awakens, like Force Awakens sold really well because people were star for Star Wars. And I think what they showed with Force Awakens was that they wanted to make the same approach that they had with the, the Marvel movies. Like they, they stumbled into Marvel movie success. They made Iron Man and it was really good and people really liked it. But there have been Marvel movies before that. I mean, you had the Spider-Man trilogy. You've had like X-Men. You've had Punisher movies. I mean, you've had a bunch of movies in Marvel franchise. And Iron Man did really well. So they made Iron Man over and over and over. They did that with Force Awakens because, okay, so the original trilogy of Star Wars movies, people really liked those. So we're just going to make, you know, A New Hope again. And people were like, okay, that was okay. It sold really well. But they're like, okay, that was okay. So we can't keep doing the the cookie cutter thing that we've been doing with Marvel and having infinite success with. I saw it seven times in theaters. Pretty much thought it was only just fine after the first time, but I saw it six more times trying to convince myself that it was this otherworldly experience and that Star Wars was back and that I felt like a kid again. I didn't really. And a lot of people went to the theater and saw the Millennium Falcon and they saw Chewbacca and they saw Han Solo and they saw a fucking space laser and they said Star Wars is back. And I guess if that's the audience you're catering to, and that's something I appreciate about George Lucas, and as much as he fucked up so many things in the in the prequels, although I would argue in a lot of ways he didn't, he knew exactly which audience he was catering to. And he did it just just fine. For little kids. Yeah, and that's what Star Wars always was. And guess what? Yippee! Guess what I fucking loved above all else when I was a kid was the Star Wars prequels. Loved them. Saw them. I remember seeing them on my fucking birthday, having a Star Wars theme party, fucking Count Dooku lightsaber and my Anakin lightsaber and fucking having lightsaber fights with the cousins. I loved the prequels. He knew what he was doing and he did it fine. But anyway, that's we're so tangential here. Guess what? Star Wars sucks now and that sucks. Star Wars has always sucked, and that sucks. Whoa, okay. 
we got I got totally heated. I got totally sidetracked with 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 Star Wars. We that was a half hour fucking rant, but it's a bummer that these games fucking suck. They shouldn't fucking suck. We've got two of the biggest goddamn companies on the face of the planet who can't help but just stumble over themselves. And it's super disappointing. Yeah, I agree. The best Star Wars film to come out in the last 20 years was a fan film made in six months by some fucking jack-off YouTuber with a $150,000 budget. That's where we're at. That that new one that came out recently? Yeah, the Vader. Yeah, there's been some controversy surrounding it, but fucking great. Yeah, Honor the characters. Yeah, I only heard about uh, them getting like the, the go-ahead and the okay to like use some music or something and then it got copyright striked and then you know youtube algorithms and all that crap that's all i've heard about it really yeah it was a whole it was a whole mess the the irony of of everything we talked about is that the expanded universe now the books and the comics and the television are vastly superior to anything they've done in the video game space anything they've done on the big screen it's the only saving grace of of this disney merger yeah they should do they should do some book adaptations for or not even adaptations, but just play with those settings and those characters a little bit in uh, video games. Shop it around. Be like, yo, Ubisoft, get one of your developers to make a pitch. 2K, get one of your developers to make a pitch. Activision, get one of your developers to make a pitch. Right. Well, part of me feels like the reason they haven't done, in our eyes, these no-brainers, like do fucking KOTOR 3. Remake KOTOR, make it canon again. Oh, uh, did you see that also? No, I didn't. Bioware apparently has been trying to pitch uh, EA for like years and years to make a KOTOR 3. It just doesn't make sense to me why they wouldn't do it. It'd print money. It'd print fucking money if they did it right and marketed uh-huh. it right. I just don't get it. But uh, yeah, it's just frustrating that, you know, and and likely what they say internally is, well, we don't want to do a game without Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and fucking Chewbacca and Han Solo, fucking Princess Leia, because they're trying to appeal to the lowest common denominator. Right. My nine-year-old brother isn't buying a fucking Knights of the Old Republic game where he doesn't know any of the characters. That was a problem with 1313. I remember reading about that. I think it was 1313. It was something about that where they're talking about, oh, yeah, we've got these, this uh, idea for a scoundrel game. You know, it's like the CD underbelly, you know, the fun stuff from Star Wars. And right. the higher ups, the people that they're in the meeting with is like, well, where's Chewbacca? Where's Leia? Where's Luke? Right. It's like, well can't put those shackles on us and expect us to make something good. Uncharted is one of the biggest video game franchises ever. Who the fuck is Nathan Drake? No one gives a shit. No, he's just a, got a smart mouth. He's the the archetypal main character. Just quipping. Yeah. You didn't need fucking Chewbacca to sell that game. Fucking jack-offs. Bunch of dickheads in suits not knowing what the fuck they're talking about. Oh, buddy, if I were a billionaire, I'd make some shit happen, let me tell you. Let me tell you. If I was a billionaire, I would just disappear off the face of the earth. If I was a billionaire, I'd be dead. Let's be let's be real. Like, let's be realistic. We've talked about this. Put me in your will before you do that, though. Yeah, no shit. Oh, man. All right, this has been the Consequence Day Podcast. This is episode 50. What a meandering, just a wild, little nostalgia, a little anger. Now, if that doesn't sum up my fucking existence, I don't know what does. Yep. <laughs> that That's you. Hit the nail on the fucking head. Oh, man. Well, to another 50 episodes, my friend. It'll happen. Well, uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll uh, go into the whole cart swap. I mean, the the, the pocket crusade. Yeah. <laughs> the little pocket crusade. We'll do some GBA reviews. Yeah, once you move back into town, we can do that. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. You know, I did play a game today for the first time in a while. Hmm. 
I uh, I played two online matches of Smash Bros. Ooh. They were terrible. The mm-hmm. first one, I was kicking ass, and then I killed myself. I didn't realize it was a stock battle. And so I was playing smart with somebody, killed myself, and then I was like, oh, I'm gone. Cool. And it was like the last stocks across the board. So the next time, I paid more attention, and I ended up absolutely just mopping the floor. Like fucking, I think I had eight kills. We're playing three stock with four people. I had eight kills, so that means... There was only one kill I didn't get. It was great. It felt really good. I was like, dude, fuck these people. My Smash, I'm better than like, I don't know, million and a half Smash Bros. players. I don't know what that means. Well, yeah, GSP whatever that GSP weird. thing means, because I don't think it means anything. It's just a weird ranking system. But it was cool. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. So I quit after two matches. <laughs> nice. And that's all I've played this week. So anyway, I might, uh, I might try to jump back to Spyro. It's one of those games where if you're not sticking with it every night, it's just like, oh, God, I got to go back to it. It's tough, man. It's tough. But anyway, this is a fucking Constant Crusade podcast. I got to go unwind now. It's 1015. God damn it, Nick. I got to go to bed. It's going to be a long week. Find us. Nick, you're on Twitter. You're at Press Till Death. Yes, sir. We're on Twitter. It's not fucking active. Console underscore Crusade. I'm at E-Jiggle. Uh, we have an email. Feedback at ConstantCrusade.com. Uh, let me give a fucking... Shouts out to our boy Cody, who did some slick fucking art uh, for our pod that is going to be used in some capacity in the near future as we launch into Console Crusade 2.0. Don't know when that's going to be yet, but it was super cool. We're really happy with it. You'll see it eventually. I don't know. Maybe I'll upload it as the episode art this week. What do you think? Yeah, sure. If you want. Just so y'all can check it out. Uh, He does fucking sick work, dude. His Instagram is Hangry Stranger, H-A-N-G-R-Y. Stranger. Uh, yeah, man, it's PDX-based. Got a lot of really cool stuff. He did art for our buddy's podcast, A Precipice Between Two Hills. They since dissolved. I don't know what happened to them. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. All right, Cons Crusade. Fucking find us, chat us, hit us, listen to us. Hit me. Hit me. <laughs> Hit me, baby. Ah. You got a good chuckle out of that.